0: High above Shibuya Scramble, which is the busiest crossing in the world, you can sit in the relative comfort of Starbucks above the dire bookstore, Tokyo Shibuya. Now, three million people cross this small piece of real estate every single week. And if you've seen the videos of the Shibuya Scramble on YouTube, you'll see. Hundreds, thousands, some people estimate two and a half thousand people at peak cross that X-shaped crossing at one time. So what does that tell us? It tells us that, well, Tokyo, Shibuya is a pretty crowded place. So crowded, in fact, that that train station is one of the busiest train stations in the world. There isn't a lot of space to move around. So when Starbucks set up shop in Tokyo in the 90s, everybody told Howard Schultz, the then CEO, that, well, the Japanese, they don't do coffee. They're a tea drinking culture. They had their kisatens, their smoky, dark, pokey tea shops run by old ladies that the Japanese liked. They just didn't like these bright, modern coffee shops. But Howard Schultz didn't listen to the quote-unquote experts and instead he entered Japan anyway. And Japan, as a Starbucks franchise, was the most profitable in the world. Until later on, Starbucks Shanghai opened. And interestingly, both of these cities, Tokyo and Shanghai, have the two biggest Starbucks in the world. The Shanghai Starbucks is a work of art. It can hold a thousand people. It's incredible, and it has a huge kettle, this bronze plated kettle with works of art from local creatives. Tokyo and Shanghai together as mega cities combine to form a population of seventy three million people. That's greater than California and Texas combined. You think about the land mass of those two American states, and you've got that in two. Single cities. Now, the interesting thing about both Tokyo and Shanghai is this that almost all of those people came from outside. In Japan, there are very few what they call Edoko, which are the third generation uh, Tokyoites. Uh, this is a small percentage of people from Tokyo. 90 95% of people who live in Tokyo today have families that were born outside of Tokyo. They came from the provinces, Gunma, Akita, and so on. They moved to Tokyo. They lived in small one-bedroom apartments or euphemistically called in Japanese, English, mansions. Very little space. I've lived in one myself. It was a shoebox. So most of the time, young Japanese in particular spent seeking out place, space, where they could hang out. Now, everybody's talking about space today, audio space. There's an article in Unified Communications about Clubhouse, talking about Clubhouse as an audio space. We're all aware of it. Rooms are a key feature of Clubhouse. It's no coincidence that a room is a physical space. That's what we're seeking. It's not just in Clubhouse, Twitter, is playing its hand at audio space as well. Facebook has already debuted what it will be, its own Clubhouse clone. LinkedIn is muting a potential play at this audio 2 feature. Reddit is trialing, I think it's called Reddit Stage. And then there's Discord. Discord has 20 users for every Clubhouse user. And it tends to get discounted because it's not top down with Elon Musk, etc. The darlings of Clubhouse, the Valley. Instead, Discord is very much bottom up. It's teenagers, gamers, using Discord as an audio first app, as it has been for the last six years, making $100 million a year in revenue. Unlike Clubhouse, which is still seeking out a business model. Discord tends to get overlooked, but the fact of the matter is the same. It's all about audio space. And one of the reasons it does get discounted is because it's teenagers. And one thing you can't do, if I've learned from my own history living in Japan in the mid to late 90s and working in the mobile telecommunications industry for 12 years, is that when it comes to teenagers and communications technology technology, Everything from MP3 file sharing to mobile communications. What teenagers do today is what we adults will be doing tomorrow. We can't discount them. And they are the first ones to seek out space. It's no coincidence that they were the first ones to adopt and adapt MP3 file sharing when their generation lost that ability to share vinyl. Or to share cassettes with their friends. Just as I would have done as a teenager at college. I would go around a friend's house, sit in their back room, smoke cigarettes and rifle through their record collection. People had record crates, crates which were designed to hold vinyl. And it was part of the ritual that you would go around their house, drink tea, smoke cigarettes and look through their record collection for something interesting. You would pull out... The record, which was a large item, it had artwork, it was a gatefold, you could open it up, you could listen to it, you could read the writing inside, the content, the lyrics, and you could discuss it with friends. Records, vinyl, created space. It was a physical space where we connected together around audio. And it's happening again today. We're seeing it everywhere. It was teenagers and young people that you will see in Starbucks in Tokyo and in Shanghai. They're the ones that will be hanging out there, students. You know, that's the reason, because Howard Schultz knew that Starbucks wasn't selling coffee. Let me explain. That Starbucks originates in Seattle, the U.S., And in the 90s, if you were, if you remember the 90s, 90s was a time in Seattle of grunge and North Face and emerging tech companies like Microsoft wasn't far away. Amazon wasn't far away. You had Boeing up the road. Seattle was one of the few places in the US where young people could find opportunity in in a world where, If you think about all the traditional industries, like automotive, for example, they were being destroyed, pulled apart. So if you were young in the 90s, you would have moved to Seattle more than anywhere else. And if you look at the data, more young people moved to Seattle than any other city in the US in the 90s, which meant more young people uprooted from their communities, uprooted from their rituals, without space, moving into small matchbox apartments as is the pattern of the rites of passage of young people all over the world, uprooted from their rural or semi-urban communities, moving to the bright city lights, finding communities to plug into and space. And it just so happened that that became the foment, the perfect storm for Starbucks, to happen there, it so happens that place is critical to the success of Starbucks. And that pain, that yearning, that hole that young people had in their lives and their consciousness wasn't a Seattle thing. It was a global thing, disconnection. If you look at all technologies, from Thomas Edison, the invention of the Telegraph, to the cell phone king, Nokia, as a company I worked with for many years, to Facebook's social network, to today, podcasts, Clubhouse, technology is and always will be about connecting people. Howard Schultz didn't sell coffee. If you want a coffee cheaper and faster, go to McDonald's down the road. But you know you go into a McDonald's and the seats, you can't move them. They're plastic, fixed to the floor. The tables are welded to the floor. You know, in McDonald's they say the customer is always right for the reason that The employee is always wrong. It dehumanizes the experience and it dehumanizes the space. Whereas in Starbucks, they want to know your name. Just like Cheers, I know a place where everybody knows your name. That's what people wanted in the 80s. That was the mythical social space that we all desired. And that's what we seek out in technology. Howard Schultz could have sold coffee and then he would have competed on the features with McDonald's, with the machine. In restaurants that were supposedly producing seats that were angled at six degrees because they had, through their own research, discovered that at six degrees, the seat is optimized to prevent you from falling asleep. Whether or not that's true is very much the myth that surrounds the experience that we have of McDonald's, not like Starbucks, even though effectively they're both selling junk food. Starbucks has a different position in our consciousness, and we feel connected to the brand in ways we don't feel connected to that clown. See, Starbucks is about people, whereas McDonald's is about proxies. Starbucks is about space. And Howard Schultz said, Starbucks is the third place. That's what they sell with the office and home being the first two. So when we look at all the rise of technology today, we have to pay special attention to two things. One, who's using it? And if you see those who crave space the most, young people, for example, then we know using the technology that this technology has a future. And secondly, is people don't buy stuff. They buy what stuff does for them. It's what they say in the old advertising world, the benefit of the benefit. So when we look at Clubhouse, what is this really about? Is this about chat or Is this about reclaiming what's been lost in the last two years? And that's what I'm going to talk about in the next edition of Audio Maps, the next episode, how COVID has put audio back on the agenda.